All right. So who's ever dug themselves into a hole so deep that they felt like there was no way to get out of it? Literally or figuratively, I guess. Um, I have done it figuratively before. I'm not going to ask you guys to share. Usually those are some very embarrassing stories, so we'll just stick to mine. Um, one time when I was in high school, my best friend Ryan was like, hey, bro, give me your phone. And I was like, sure, man, whatever. You're my best friend. You would never hurt me. Um, and so we start making music, and we start playing video games. And the next thing I know, I get my phone back, and there is a book of text messages. You can just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll, and it's to this girl at the school. And this is how it starts off. Hey, girl, I think you're really cute. And she's like, oh, my gosh, why have you never told me this before? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm just super shy. You know, I'm just super out of my comfort zone. And so I get this book back, and this girl has just spilled her heart out to me. And we're basically almost dating at this point. <laughs> so this is Friday. So I'm like, on Saturday, I'm like, there's no way that I can just be like, sorry, my friend Ryan did this. LOL. Right? You can't do that, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm just not, not going to encourage it. I'm not going to discourage it. So Saturday goes, Sunday goes. If you caught it at the beginning of the story, this is a girl from my school. I got to see her on Monday. I'm still going to have to deal with this problem. So I have just dug myself into this hole all weekend of just not like, not saying I didn't say it, but not saying I did say it. And I have to like basically just come clean to her and say, hey, I'm sorry, this was my friend Ryan. I don't actually have these kind of feelings for you. I feel so bad, right? And that definitely cleared the air of everything, right? No, it's a super awkward conversation. Um, and I basically dug myself into a hole to the point to where there was no way that I could keep digging, right? The ground does not dig anymore and you look up and you're like, wow, that was really far. Now Jonah finds himself in a very similar spot right? He has left. He's gone away from what God has told him to do. God said, hey, go to Nineveh. And he was like, that's impossible. They'll never listen to a word you have to say. Those are very bad people. Instead, I'm going to go to Tarshish. I'm going to go to Spain, right? And then he tries to go to Spain. God's like, okay, I'll get your attention. I'll send a storm. And then the sailors on the storm or on the boat are like, wow, this is going to destroy our ship. Why is this happening? And Jonah's like, it's because of me. Throw me off. And they're like, um, that's murder. And he's like, no, really, just throw me off. I'd rather be murdered than go tell these people. And they're like, okay, we'll reluctantly do it. And they throw him off the boat. And then God prepares a giant fish for Jonah. And then the pagan sailors are like, wow, the storm cleared. That Yahweh guy is real. And they offer a sacrifice to him. And that's where we are now in Jonah 2. So you guys can go ahead and get your Bibles. Open up to Jonah 2. That's where we're going to be this whole time. If you guys don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the back for you. And also a handout. And so that's where we're going to start is here in Jonah 2. Now, if you look at Jonah, you might notice that Jonah's a prophet, but really the book of Jonah isn't about what Jonah has to say, which is unlike every other prophet book. Um, this is really just about Jonah's story, and here we're going to get one of the few spaces in Jonah where Jonah is talking, um, and we get what his words are. And this is about Jonah's time of reflection, and your Bible might say, Jonah's prayer in the big fish, or it might say, Jonah's prayer of repentance, which I would put quotations around the word repentance there. So let's go ahead and look at this. Verses 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Now, the first thing I'd wanna, I want to point out here is just Jonah's posture of prayer. 
lot of times we think that there needs to be a specific way to do a prayer, there needs to be a specific way to say this, or you have to start out with this way, or you need these certain words for a prayer to be powerful. There's many different ways you can pray, right? You can bow your head, you can close your eyes, you can kneel, um, or you can be like my dad at our wedding. We gather everybody around, everyone's laying hands on me and Sarah as we're about to go out and get married, they're praying for our marriage, and we'll put the picture up on the screen. It's a beautiful photo. I love this photo so much. We hang it in my house, and I love it. But if you zoom in just a little bit on my dad there, Big Bear Bob Bullen himself, dad's eyes are open. <laughs> oh, dad, that's a classic, classic Bob Bullen there, right? There's a lot of different ways that you, you can pray. Um, love you, pops. Um, but bowing our head is a sign of reverence, right? You put yourself in a vulnerable position to bow your head, close your eyes, you get rid of all the distractions that are happening around you. Um, you can kneel, sign of just surrender. We need to be able to posture ourselves to be able to pray to God. Even if someone's taking too long during the prayer over their food, we need to be able to posture ourselves towards God in prayer. And it's not just about how we say or what we're doing, it's about what we're praying about. And if you notice here in Jonah 1, he says, he says, Lord in all capitals, L-O-R-D, which that means Yahweh, which is, remember, that is the personal name of God. And so the first thing I want you guys to do is write down this, is whenever you resist, whenever you resist, remember Whenever you resist, remember. Remember to pray. Often we forget to pray. Jonah has forgotten to pray. This is the first time Jonah's prayed, right? God's like, hey, go to, go to Nineveh. And he's like, pish posh, I'm going to Spain, right? And now this is finally after destruction and turmoil has entered his life and he feels like he's going to die. He's like, you know what I should do? Pray. Often we forget to do that in our lives as well. We forget to pray. We often notice in Jonah 1, he says, I called and you answered, which is past tense, which means he did pray before this prayer in the fish, right? It must have been a prayer while he was drowning where he was praying for God to save him. So he did pray at least then. But he prayed to the Lord, prayed to Yahweh. He's using the personal name of God. Sometimes I think we even forget that. Sometimes we just kind of have this conversation in our heads. We talk ourselves up. If I just say it so much, I can speak it into the universe, and the universe will have to give me what I've just said. Sometimes that's, our, that's how we feel about things. Sometimes that's how we think we can deal with a problem. But whenever we're resisting God, whenever we're trying to run away from God, we forget that. We forget just to at least call on the name of Yahweh. So whenever we run, whenever we resist, remember to pray. Remember to call on Yahweh's name. Second thing I would say is to remember Scripture. Remember Scripture, because there's nine verses here that Jonah, that Jonah's prayer has. Eight of those nine verses are quotes from Psalms. So you might be like, wow, this prayer is really beautiful. Yeah, it's Psalms. Jonah's just quoting Scripture. So we need to be able to remember Scripture, to be able to recite Scripture. Sometimes it's like, hey, we should, can, can you pray over this situation that I have right now? And you're just like, I, you're thinking to yourself, I just don't know what to pray. I mean, if you've remembered Scripture, you're, you can be able to pull Scripture out and be able to use that Scripture. Jesus even says, ask and you shall receive. You can even use that in your prayers. Hey, God, you said 
asking, you shall receive. So I'm going to ask you this. Hey, the answer can be no. But you can ask. It's the only way you're going to be able to receive. And the third thing here, which Jonah has forgotten, is to remember that God is near. Remember that God is near. And we'll see how Jonah forgets this here. This is what he says. He says, You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down into the heart of the sea. And the mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, O oh, Yahweh, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. Jonah, my man, God has not set you out of his presence. He literally sent a storm to go get your attention. You were sleeping. God sent a storm to come get you. God has talked to you this whole time. God has preordained a fish to scoop you up and save you. God hasn't left your presence. But, John, but Jonah's mental state here is just messed up. He feels like he's fallen out of favor with God because he started to run away from him, which is literally the story of the prodigal son, right? If you guys haven't heard the story of the prodigal son, let me give it to you in the Robsy version. This guy takes his inheritance from his father, then he goes out and spends it on himself. He spends it on women, he spends it on wine, and then he has no money and he's broke to the point to where he has to live and eat with pigs. And then he's like, I got to go back to dad. I have dug myself so far in a hole. The only thing I can do is try to go back to my father. My father, though, is going to hate me because I've just spent my half of the money on basically nothing. And now I have to go back and deal with those consequences. But what does the father do? You guys know the story? What does he do? He, he opens, opens his arms up to him, right? Throws him a huge feast in his honor that he came back. That's what God's doing here. He's saying, hey, Jonah, come back to me. Come back. He hasn't left Jonah, but man, when we run away from God, that's what it feels like, though, isn't it? We feel like, God, there's no way that you can love a sinner like me. But if you look at Romans 8, 39, it says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that has revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, so sometimes I think we just need to take a moment, stop, remember Yahweh, remember the scripture that we know, and remember that God is near. Because sometimes when we're running away from God, we just can't think of these things. We get so far deep into our holes that we can't see anything else around us. We need to be able to remember these things. The next thing we need to be able to do is just be able to reflect. We need to be able to reflect. And we'll see how Jonah does that here in verses 5 through 7. It says, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head and I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. And I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But Lord, but you, O oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. You can see here that not only is Jonah physically drowning, but he's drowning emotionally. There's seaweed wrapped around this dude's head. He's down at the very bottom of the ocean. The mountain roots are there. He's literally at rock bottom right now. 
And that's what he's been doing this whole story. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the bottom of the boat. He went down to the sea, and now he's at the bottom of the ocean. He is literally the lowest of lows. And what Jonah's realizing here is he's reflecting on what's happening. Is he's reaping what he's sown from his disobedience from God. Jonah's losing hope, yet he remembered the Lord. He remembered and he recalled some scripture. Because I think when you're that far down, you have nowhere to look but up. Even the smallest bit of light shining down is going to catch your attention. Jonah's praying for his safety, but I really wouldn't say Jonah's repented yet, and that's why I kind of would put quotations around the word Jonah's prayer of repentance, because nowhere in this has Jonah said, God, I'm sorry. He's just said, God, save me. I feel like I'm drowning, which we'll, we'll tackle more of repentance next week, and we'll focus more on this reflection piece here. But he's safe. But Jonah's alone. He's probably cramped inside of this fish's belly. Has anyone ever been inside of a fish before? No, me neither. I imagine it's, I imagine it's tight, right? There's probably stomach acid sloshing around. That probably doesn't feel good. I would, I would say that the Big Fish Hotel is not a very good place to stay. But it's here that Jonah is, is, is forced to confront his fears, to confront his loneliness, to confront his mistakes, and to confront his God. And I think we can learn, learn, learn from this. We are always on the go. There has to be something going on. There has to be something in our hands, right? That's why those little pop things are so popular right now, or the fidget spinners. We're always trying to do something. I'm personally bad at this in the sense that I always want to be having something playing in the background, whether it's music, whether it's a podcast, whether it is just at least white noise. I always want to be able to hear something going on. Just complete silence is like, this is weird. I do not like this. But I think that's what helps Jonah get into this place where he's able to reflect, is he is by himself. He is alone. He doesn't have a cell phone. He doesn't have any friends around. I imagine inside of a fish, you probably can't take a nap. All he can do is just sit there with himself and his God and reflect on his situation. And I think we can, we can learn from this because this is the story of every human's heart. We read scripture, we know what God says in the scripture. Everybody could give me the, the Sunday school answers. And we can post all the right things we want to on Instagram. We can post the right things on TikTok or at least the one that everybody can publicly see. But when the world challenges our worldview and shatters it, we get desperate. We're going to grab onto anything that seems stable and try and rebuild our worldview again. And we try to run away from God. Whenever these major disruption happens, it's then in our reflection of trying to rebuild our worldview. It's what we're going to really find out what we honestly believe about God. And in the cramped belly of a fish, Jonah remembers who his God is. And his reflection, he realizes that God is near to him. Because look what he has to say. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. But when I offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, 
I will fulfill my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I think Jonah realizes that God's had mercy on him. I think he realizes that this big fish was God's vessel of mercy to save him. And I think he's figuring out that God alone is where salvation comes from, where his deliverance is going to come from, where his aid will come from, where victory comes from, is from the Lord alone. God's giving him a second chance. He's spitting him out into the beach. And so that's why whenever we resist, the third thing we need to do is restart. Whenever you resist, restart. God is the God of second chances. Look at the Israelites, time and time. I mean, that was second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance, seventh chance. Adam and Eve messed up. God said, hey, we're going to do this again. There's consequences every single one of those times, but God is giving everybody a second chance. And if you look at Jonah here, here's his second chance. You tried to run away. I saved you with a big fish. I'm going to spit you out into the beach. Now go talk to those Ninevites, those people that you dislike. Go deal with your racism. Because God is a God after our hearts. There's another prophet at this time. His name is Amos. Who, if you read the book of Amos, and if you read some other books around what Amos has to do, you could probably tell that he's probably a more righteous prophet than Jonah. Just in the sense that Amos was like, hey, God's going to, uh, th this king, you're not going to live, you're not going to win. And Jonah's like, oh, you're totally going to win. You're the best king ever. The king does not, Right? So you can just see from that bit, Amos is probably a better prophet. Therefore, you could, God wanted to, if the whole, whole point of this was to save the Ninevites, you'd probably just send Amos to go deliver a banger sermon. All the Ninevites will repent, and they'll all be saved. But no, God is after Jonah's heart. He wants Jonah to work on his heart. So I'm going to go ahead and invite the band back onto the stage. God's word doesn't, doesn't change to your preferences. And it's definitely not changing to Jonah's preferences. Jonah's, Jonah's preferences is that the Ninevites burn, send fire down from heaven, destroy the city. They're never going to repent. And I think a lot of the times we read the Bible and we change God's word to fit our own circumstances. We make ourselves into the heroes. We look at David and say, I'm David facing my Goliath. I'm Daniel inside the lion's den. I'm Elijah calling fire down from the mountain. Philippians 4.13, I can score this touchdown. I can pass this test. We make the Bible about us and we kind of take God out of it. But as Matt Chandler famously said, you are not David. Those are not your Goliaths. I could give you five rocks and you'd probably miss every single time. But I think if we look at Jonah here, we can say we are Jonah. We are swallowed, we are spit up, and we run away from God. We need to remember that God is our God of salvation. That's where he comes from. And we think that we can just walk a little bit away from God and everything will be okay. I'm just gonna go have a little bit of fun. But man, that's... That, slight decline slope that you start to walk down 
You just keep getting bigger and bigger until you look up. You realize you're way too deep. Because sin is always going to cost more than you want to pay. And it's going to keep you longer than you want to stay. Every single time. So I want to leave you guys with this. Why would we wait until we hit rock bottom to take the time to reflect on our lives? Why wait until something devastating happens to take the time to reflect on our lives, to reflect on your mentals, to reflect on your relationship with God? I think we all need to incorporate more reflection into our lives. Be able to take time, just ask God, how are we doing? What's going on? So tonight, I want to take some time before we go into our last song just to reflect. No cell phones, no touching anybody else. Just close your eyes and just have time with God. We're just going to have some time to remember. So I'm going to pray, quote some scripture, and then we're just going to have like 40, 40 seconds-ish of just prayer, and the band will start singing again. If you're still praying during that time, feel free to keep praying. Um, Feel free to be in whatever posture you want to, whatever's the most comfortable for you and God. Yahweh, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Crave, thank you so much for just bringing us here tonight, giving us time just to reflect on our lives with you and our relationships. God, create a clean heart in me. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and give me a willing spirit. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, the God of salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness.